0: All right, back here in the Sports Zone, and very excited to be joined by Adam Fisher. You've seen him on SNY, uh, formerly of the Mets front office, and uh, Adam, it's so nice of you to come in. How you doing tonight?
1: Doing all right. Thank you, Pete. Thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate it, and... Um you know good looking forward to talking to some mets. Yeah, baby.
0: Well, f- before we get into the mets, uh did, did you get some sleep last night? It was a long game. You had to I know, make right? it up. I, was It one, 1 o'clock in the morning um, that thing ended.
1: Yeah, I got two little kids. I went to bed in, in after the 10th. So
0: <laughs> that was the limit.
1: <laughs> did you Yeah, I can
0: I can't uh, that that's all I got. How about you? No, yeah, I made you, it. You, I'm up you late. It out. Yeah, right. I'm up late all the time. All right. I don't have yeah. kids, so uh I got to uh, yeah. A little while until, you know, I gotta be up at what? 6 a.m. They're waking you up probably, jumping on the bed, all that?
1: Pretty much take my, uh, <laughs> take, take my son to the bus stop at about seven. So yeah, it's, uh, not fun for anybody. That's what I tell him. I, I don't want to be up either. He yeah. doesn't want to get up at all. So <laughs> second grader.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, you know, obviously a long game last night. The Yankees, uh, taking on the A's when we can touch on that a little bit later. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I guess we can talk about, we'll, we'll have a blueprint from you as far as what you think the needs are for this Mets team. Uh, But considering that you were there under Sandy Alderson, I'm just curious some of your thoughts on at least one of the things that Mets COO uh, Jeff Wilpon had to say on Sunday. I think it was a total recommendation. Number one and number two. Until we have somebody on board, you know, I really don't want to answer those questions. We'll come back to you with more information once we get somebody and we lay out a plan. But until I know what the new GM is going to going to suggest as a plan, and we hire that person to to go forward with that plan, it'd be premature to answer that. You're basically saying that the Mets not going to the top of the free agent park. It was part of the recommendation of the previous front office, Adam well i think it I think it depends on how you frame it I don't think
1: uh I think there's thirty teams out there that don't really want to spend at the top of the market and you know for the, sandy is really he'd been quoted saying that second what we call second generation contracts, which I think are a good way to put it you know players who have sort of been out there a little bit in the whatever it may be they may have signed uh a couple years outside of their arbitration years, they're 30 years old or whatever. Those types of contracts are generally bad investments. That's Sandy's thought and I think there's 30 30 teams out there that would agree with him and uh you know, the proof was kind of in the pudding in this last free agent market. Um but, you know, there are certainly the types of players that are kind of no brainers for any team and I think, you know, actions are are kind of kind of speak louder than words and for me with the Mets particularly I'm interested to see sort of who who the new GM is well I guess taking a step back I think someone like Manny Machado or potentially Bryce Harper someone that Sandy Alderson would have no trouble going after you know, when you're. He was about,
0: in on Robinson Cano. At least yeah, he went he out to dinner with him.
1: Cano. I mean, you know th- that that type of thing. I think. I think so. It really just does depend on how you frame it. And I mean, I I'd be. I'm not a big fan of spending at the top of the market either for guys who are over 30. You give them six years. I mean, that's, that's been type, the
0: trend across baseball. Sure.
1: Yeah. And that's and that's where it's going in that direction. That's just generally bad investments. But you know there've been some players. One example that we did do with the Mets back with Omar. Carlos Beltran, Mm -hmm. you know, a guy who's 28 years old, seven-year deal. No one ever wants to give anyone a seven-year deal, but when you're 28, you know, it's a little more attractive. And that turned out to be a pretty good overall deal. I mean, at the end of the day, we still did lose about a year and a half to injury. But Carlos Beltran's probably the best center fielder in Mets history. So, um, you know, it it it, for me, it's about the age of the player, and uh, I don't really think. I guess, again, a guy like Manny Machado, Bryce Harper comes with his own warts. I mean, who knows if he can fit in in the New York market. He's not coming off the greatest year. He's been pretty inconsistent for how talented he is, even though he's been very good. Um, what, what worries you specifically
0: about Bryce Harper?
1: Just, well, I mean, just his his media interactions. I, I think it, it could be, I mean, we've seen... There have been some some situations where he's he's sort of he said, toned
0: it down in recent he, years. He has. He has.
1: I mean, I, I don't I wouldn't be against talking to Bryce Harper if I was the Mets. I just would have some hesitation. Um I thought it know. was
0: really weird. Did you watch the last series the Mets played in Washington, where Harper he was hitting fly balls and just walking. Out of the box, and you just hold on to well, the bat. It was like yeah. Bartolo Cologne. Uh, he held on to the bat the entire time. But that—that's a right. bad, That's a that's another that's another issue. It's, it's a, a bad, bad look.
1: look. It's a bad look, and it it's particularly magnified. Obviously, in this market, people do not like that. Uh, you got the back pages, so of course it'd be a challenge. I but think, wasn't for him.
0: only that. And, and I remember when he came up. You know, Pete Rhodes was his idol. He was all sure. hustle, and you've seen that dissipate a little bit. But also in that series, it wasn't like he stopped caring, was apathetic, because he would walk 10 steps towards first base, and then at one point he took a big swing in the air with his bat. Every time he went to the bat rack, SMY caught this, he'd be throwing his helmet into there. He was angry at the same time, and I'm just watching that like, what's going on? Like, you're not running it out. Yeah. You're not playing hard, but you're angry that you didn't hit a home run in a spot
1: sort of selfish I guess is is
0: the best way to put it
1: I, I think I think that's you know that's kind of what you're saying and I, I don't really disagree I think if you do go after someone like Bryce Harper um, you've got to really do a lot of background work a lot talk to a lot of people uh, gather as much Intel as you can and make uh, you know a, an informed decision whether you're comfortable with some of these things um, what you're describing his interactions with the media uh, you know, I've heard a mixed reputation with the teammates. Yeah, People don't like him. So, um, but you don't hear any of that with the other guy who's very young and very talented. And that's Manny Machado. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to see regardless of what the blueprint is, the new GM, that's a no brainer again, for however many teams that can afford to spend the money, Um, Probably not 30 teams, but a New York team, yes. I mean, that's an ownership decision at that point, right? Because every front
0: office at baseball is signing off on it. No doubt. It's just. That's
1: that's not, I mean, you know, you you find a way to get a guy like Manny Machado 10 years, whatever it may be. um, I'd be on board with that. You got a young superstar, and it it was obviously a very trying season this year for the Mets and a tough, obviously a tough year when I was with them in 2017. Very disappointing for everybody. You, you got to you get a new GM and you get a new a new face of the franchise to replace someone like David Wright who's moving on. Um, for me, that's a no brainer. Now they may not be successful uh, in signing a guy like that, but it's it's a great message to send if you make a legitimate, mm-hmm. not just lip service, not just oh yeah, we're one of ten teams that's interested and checked in with him, but a legitimate run at the guy I think would go a long way for the fans
0: and we're talking right now with SNY's Adam Fisher formerly of the Mets front office as far as Machado goes he really wanted to play shortstop this year and forced the Orioles hand and it's done okay at that position yeah. but it, it hasn't been anything spectacular he's a far better defensive third baseman yes if with the Mets or in free agency he said hey shortstop's where I gotta be the Mets have a Pretty good-looking, and, and, sure. and it certainly improved uh, shortstop yeah. at Ahmed Rosario as the year went along. Would that in any way preclude you from making a run at him if you're the Mets?
1: No, not at all. For for one thing, you know, Ahmed, is, he really did improve in the second half. Um, but the defense is shaky. We've seen that. Struggling with the routine play, his concentration level. Uh, the advanced defensive metrics out there don't really like him. I don't uh, totally... I. I, I made some calls over the course of the season to some teams to get a sense of what their internal system said. They like him better than the public stuff, but it's still like slightly below average. Yeah. So, there's room for improvement, but he doesn't really play up to his tools at shortstop at least as of now. He doesn't go to the backhand. No, not not particularly well and um the, that first step isn't always great, and of course we saw we see a lot of routine errors. So he can improve. He's still very young, and mm-hmm. and it's there. But I'd have no issue. I think he'd look a lot better at second base. So I'd have no issue with that. Um, I know Jeff McNeil very quickly became a fan favorite. Just shoot him over to third, um, and uh, you know figure out what you want to do. That, uh, some type of timeshare uh, with with Frazier. Use Frazier at first. I know you talked about trading Alonzo. That I mean, if you did sign Machado, it probably pushes a guy like Alonzo out of the mix because you do. McNeil was so good. You got to find at least, I don't know, 110, 120 games for him. You've got Frazier. So first base, third base for Frazier, second base, third base for McNeil, shortstop, and second base for Ahmed.
0: What was the thought about McNeil when you were in the organization as recently as 2017? yeah you know
1: um we liked his bat but he was always hurt yeah you know just just consistently uh consistently injured and um so that would still be a concern I guess going forward sure right? sure I think um but you know let's say you you wouldn't have to really worry a whole lot about it you still would have Frazier you know you decide to move McNeil the third you've got depth which hasn't always been the case. Recently, um, I really like Jeff McNeil. I've been I've been pleasantly surprised. Uh, his defense has been uh, better than advertised and better than what I saw when I saw him briefly in the minors. And um, one thing, he's really gotten better. The feedback that I've gotten, um, really getting, gotten better at turning the double play yeah. at the major league level. Uh, even if you watched the film of him when he first got up mm-hmm. and now... He's made big strides. He seems like a cerebral kid, so I like Jeff McNeil.
0: We talked about a couple of guys, Rosario and McNeil, that did develop over the course of this year. Is that the manager's job? Does he get credit when some guys get better on his watch? What do you think? And we could ask overall what you thought of Mickey Calloway's first year. Um, You know, I think... uh...
1: I think the manager does deserve some credit. The coaches, some of it is just getting experience for a guy. I feel like for a guy like Ahmed Rosario, it's just getting experience. He just needed at bats. Uh, Jeff McNeil, um, you know, he was pretty, pretty good. I think the, the player development system deserves the, the lion's share of the credit there in terms of way, did it double a and triple a and, but the double play stuff, Gary who I know has kind of been much maligned as a, as a bench coach this year. He deserves some credit for helping him with that. Um, you know, I think it's it's a mixed bag with with Mickey and 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 the jury's still out. I mean, when the pressure, th- there are a lot of facets this year where he struggled, and I think he would he would admit that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, wasn't he made some some comments to the media that weren't great? We had some really big mishaps over the course of the season in terms of. Game management.
0: I just thought he really struggled with the NL game. Yes. And he, as you yes. mentioned, DeSarcina, he didn't have experience in the National League. Callaway had never played or coached in yeah. the National League. And even at the end of the year, he talked about a series in Boston and he said it was like having the weekend off yeah. because it, it's a no, totally no different question. world than the it, National it League. It
1: really is. And I think you could, you could, uh, I think in hindsight, you, you, you know, there's a, there's, we don't really have, we don't really have the, pr- I mean, you know, documented whatever i'm just i'm an observer just like you Mm -hmm. in this case i don't have sort of the documented proof that gary distracina was a good or bad bench coach but i think in hindsight it would have been a good decision to get him someone with nl experience and help him out and really you know they played well when the pressure was off i mean they had a historically bad june and um we don't really know we don't really know going into next year so um you know i think i think. It'd be good to give Mickey a shot. I think he deserves a shot a second year um, to sort out some of these things. But, you know, now you got a new GM coming in, and he's going to have to decide who he wants and what he wants to do, and he may have his own guy. I mean, I unfortunately dealt with that as an assistant GM in Atlanta. You know, someone comes in, not necessarily any judgment. They want their own guy. Yeah. So, We'll see what happens.
0: And that's part of it. And we saw it with Rex Ryan and John Idzik uh, with the Jets. It's not always perfect when the coach yeah. is already in place. But if you were part of a new administration coming in, let's say, would your recommendation be, hey, you should hold on to Mickey Calloway? I think that he can develop?
1: I'd give him a chance. I think I would give him a chance. But, you know, if at the same time, I okay, I guess having observed this season – I, I think it's really hard to go one and done with a manager, and especially in this market in New York. Having said that, if I was a general, ma- if I was a general manager coming in and I was getting my shot, and I had my guy, I had my eye on this guy, and that's who I want as my manager, then that's what I would do. Right. So that that's that's kind of I guess that's sort of. Uh, <laughs> sort of splitting the baby there but that's that's my two cents on it.
0: And we're talking again with Adam Fisher and the Mets of course hunting for a general manager. We'll get your idea of what you think makes sense in that seat and what the Mets should be looking for as it appears they're looking at everything uh, right now as uh, Jeff Wilpon called it some untraditional candidates and a very broad search at this point as it begins in earnest with the regular season now done. Uh, it's the Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York 710 WOR 710 WOR Putting you back into the sports zone with
1: Pete McCarthy.
0: We're hanging out with Adam Fisher, formerly in the Mets front office, now Sny knows how things work, uh, knows how this game is played, and the Mets, of course, in the hunt for a new front office or at least a, a new head man. As far as the general manager goes, Jeff Wilpon, you know, did say, "Hey, the final recommendations are going to go through him," but. Uh, that maybe there will be a little more power given to that uh, that GM, and, and that'll be one of the big things to see how it shakes out. Are, are you curious, Adam, how, what kind of candidates come forward that are mm. eager to become a, a part of this front office, and if there will be some concerns about uh, just the, 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 the way the franchise is portrayed and, and wh- how much financial freedom you might have?
1: Yeah, I think I think all of that is fair, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there in the media. And um if I'm a GM candidate who doesn't really know a whole lot about it, I need to get to the bottom of it and understand kind of how much how much I mean, if you remember when Omar got got hired the whole, I mean this this has been a sort of a a theme, you know, uh for, you know, 20 years or so. Um how much control does Does the GM have with the Mets? And, um, you know, remember that quote from Omar control with Fred, total control. And, you know, he did for the most part for, for a number of years. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think you have to investigate because you want to be your own person. Um, and you need to find out kind of what the situation is. I think every team has different dynamics and there's a lot. I mean, ownership is involved with, uh, not to sort of fall back on that again, sort of every all thirty teams cliche, but you know the owners own the team. they can do what they want, mm-hmm. and you have sort of differing levels of um involvement with all thirty teams, some very heavily involved and some not so much. And you know, you have these media reports that that Jeff sort of had to uh, had to kind of um discuss in his press conference and uh you know if I'm a candidate then I I want to ask I want to I want to ask them It's up a two-way street. Yeah. It's
0: not just the Mets interviewing it goes right. the other yeah, way yeah. too. Yeah, I
1: want to ask them up front and I yeah. want to understand kind of what the what the layout is, what is the blueprint for kind of how things work with the with ownership and and um I, mean, I I think that's that's it's not really a a Mets thing. I think yes, there could be some hesitation just based on um the franchise's history over the last 15 20 years and kind of kind of what went down over the years um but i think that's normal uh, for any gm to come in you need to get the landscape and understand what type of control you're going to have um and you know what how much leeway
0: yeah, and some of the names are starting to come out now that the Mets will be interviewing. Got about three minutes here until we hit the top of the hour. Yep. Let's go rapid fire. Yep. I'll throw some names at you, yeah. and you let me know do you like them and and how they might fit. Doug Melvin. Well, you know he's very experienced. He he and he's he's well respected. He fits he
1: fits sort of what maybe what Fred Fred Woolpon's kind of been been uh, reported to be looking for. Although I, I'd probably be looking for someone younger yeah. with fresher ideas. Buck Showalter. Absolutely not. Why not? Uh, I just you look at his history of wearing out his welcome wherever he goes, and I think it's a bad mix to put him uh, put him back in New York. Gary LaRock? Uh you know Gary. Gary's done a uh, done a good job with with the Cardinals. Is Gary someone that I worked with uh, when when I was with the Mets and uh you know he's got a lot of experience another sort of um older school guy that may fit kind of what Fred Wilpon is is looking for or at least what's been reported Kim Ng? Kim's a pro she's been she's been uh she's been around the game a long time now um i think it would be awesome to see a female gm so i'd i'd be i mean i'm not I don't know Kim particularly well. I know she's extremely well thought of, both not just in the media, but within the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh I'd be interested to see how she does in the interview process and you know, if she'd like to see her get a legitimate shot, it'd be great to see a female GM. Ben Charrington? Ben is 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 a great guy. Um and uh you know, I, I really like Ben. I think Ben would be interesting. Uh he brings a bit of a mix of of new school and, and old school uh you know, we'll see. Uh, I'm not sure whether whether this is the well. I don't know. I, I've heard reports that he's not necessarily interested. So, okay. we'll see if that's true or not.
0: Um, How about some guys who like grew up as Mets fans that maybe this is just a, a dream job, like a John Daniels or a Stearns in Milwaukee? Could you see an allure? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, you know, I think those guys are
1: just going to be hard to hard to get. Yeah. Um, there might be some current GMs who you can potentially get if they have someone over them. You know, um, because they're not necessarily the GM, the person in control. But in Stearns and Daniels' case, they're both. I mean, Daniels just signed an extension. He's president of baseball ops for the Rangers. He'd probably be a tough get. Stearns, you're talking about in the playoffs right now a very successful team and he's driving the ship so those two guys i think would be tough to get
0: hey names i miss real quick just name the names and so we can come back to them in a bit um names i've heard of not
1: i mean i think uh dave force with the a's would be interesting but he's he's a current gm mm-hmm. um you know Jeez, uh, all right. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll I've named to a it. lot of them. But yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: We'll come back to you. Adam Fisher is still with us, uh, and we'll grab some of your calls coming up. What should the Mets do this off season? 710 It's Pete McCarthy. Getting some great Mets insights tonight from Adam Fisher, SNY, formerly the Mets front office. And just how these things work. Uh, A search for a new general manager. Names that make sense with what the Mets might be looking for as a philosophy. And uh, threw a lot of names at you before. And For instance, uh, I mentioned Buck Showalter. You shot that (laughs) down pretty fast to something that wouldn't make sense even though, you know... it's easy to look back what he did in Arizona and some of the player development stuff that he has done in the past, but uh, you know, it's it's uh, yeah. a little different story now.
1: Well, he's a really good. I I don't think you can argue with how good a manager he is. I just think he's untested as a general yeah. manager, and it'd be tough to put someone like that in the uh, in the GM chair for the first time. And also, then kind of going back to what I said, he does tend to wear out his welcome, and be it'd be interesting in New York. Um, but he's a name and he's, he a, name fans and he's, he's a very smart baseball guy. Um, I think my sense is that they're looking for um, more experience. And that was, I mean, I haven't been asked, but that's what I would recommend. I just think it's a, a very challenging market and a challenging uh, environment um, just w- with the Yankees a- uh, across the way and all the things that go into it, the history Um you need some someone sitting in that chair for the first time would be very challenged. So, um, any other
0: names come to mind?
1: Well, I mean, there's a couple young guys that I like. I like Jared Porter a lot. Um, Where is he I, now? Uh, he's the assistant GM with the Diamondbacks. Um, but I think that uh, at least I get the sense that they're. They're looking for more more experience. Not necessarily someone who's either been a GM or someone who's been an assistant GM for a long time. Or, see
0: that spokesperson all of a sudden. Yes. Yeah. There's right? yeah. a um, lot to it here.
1: And another name that's been mentioned that I don't think is a candidate, uh, who I worked with briefly with the Braves, who's an awesome guy, really good baseball guy, is Perry Manassian. Um, but but I think uh I think uh, again with with uh Jared has a little more experience uh in the office than Perry. Um but I think ultimately they're looking uh for someone with uh with a longer a longer tenure uh as a, as an assistant gm or someone who's been a gm
0: what would be some outside the box candidates that you think like i wow. we heard brody van Wagoner's name I, at I think, one point I
1: think that i mean as far as outside the box candidates go yeah i, I think brody is if it's if there's going to be an agent that could do it the two guys that got mentioned casey close and brody van Wagoner, would be would be two good choices why would that um, work Brody would be interesting. Uh, well, I, you know, the immediate Met fan knee jerk reaction is that Brody is Jacob DeGrom's agent. So he's getting you know, paid. You know, you want to you want to get get Jacob signed up for the next uh, however many years. You bring on Brody, but Brody's and smart. and Tebow too. And well, yeah, well, we'll see how that, <laughs> yeah. how that goes. But but Brody's pretty smart and creative. He he he's uh, one of my favorite agents um, out there. So. Um, but what about being an agent could qualify you for being a well, general manager Well, you know you know the industry, you know you know uh you know player contracts and and uh I think you, you, there'd be a lot to learn. You'd need you need some 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 hands to help you, but you know someone who's been a presence uh who's who's dealt with players, who knows how to uh work work with the media and um and understands the arbitration and contracts and and administration.
0: We can take some calls here uh, with Adam as well 800-321-0710. Jim and Yonkers gives us a shout. What's on your mind, Jim? Oh, hey, uh a couple couple things. One, how much is uh, Saber Metrics going to play into who they select as the GM? Uh, I think it's great that now we finally see a little progress uh, with homegrowns like uh, Rosario and mcneil but it occurs to me that uh, somebody who can really help build that farm system is going to be tremendously important. I wanted to get your take on that.
1: Uh, well, I mean, I think, I think it's really uh, the, 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 the and and ownership are open to, to analytics. I think it's really, uh, whoever comes in, whatever vision they have. Um, you know, I think that's kind of what Jeff has said. I I think, uh, they, they do have a small analytics department right now, very capable people. Um, and, uh, I, I, as I've said, kind of on the, on, on, uh, on S and Y, they're kind of middle of the pack, I guess you could say they're sort of treading water. So if they don't get better or more people with regard to sabermetrics, they probably will fall behind. What do you miss out on? Uh, I mean, teams are just doing stuff that would blow your mind, you know. And the Dodgers and Yankees have like twenty guys each. I don't. I mean, um,
0: does everyone have a different project? They're studying different parts. With the, of the Dodgers,
1: game? yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, they're just to get it, get an idea. um, those teams are looking at how to, for example, you know, we hear all about spin rate, right? And um, you know Seth Lugo has this great spin rate on his curveball. Those teams are are openly using technology to try to figure out how spin is created. So they can get their pitchers and players to do it. They can teach it to them.
0: So like Houston seems to have figured something There's out. There's a bunch right?
1: of teams that have figured that kind of thing out. That's the kind of thing you can do when you have when you really invest in technology. Um, you know, in in the book "The Arm" uh, by by Jeff Passan. Uh, one of the interesting things there was a, uh, did, I, I think uh, I think you know where I'm going with this. There was there was a. Uh, I. I I don't know if he, if he had a degree in kinesiology or whatever it was he he had studied alternate alternate uh, therapies for Tommy John and alternate rehabs and before he could even do anything with it the Dodgers just hired him.
0: And it's ridiculous so it's like, something that could help yeah. the entire sport. Yes. Now one team comes in takes his yeah. expertise yeah. and just uses it for themselves.
1: Yeah, exactly. So that's that's one of the 20 guys the Dodgers have right there. You know, so, um, that's what you can do with it. And, and in reality, if you don't do it right now, the Mets have three really smart guys, but as these teams get, you know, the Marlins who, for example, did nothing for years and years and still are behind many teams. I've heard they have in the last two years have hired, they now have six guys. So the Mets are still ahead of the, of a team like the Marlins because, mm-hmm. um, they have a, such a huge head start. We've been doing that. We did this since 2004, you know, but uh, at some point it's just going to get it's it's where the game is moving and it's just going to it's just going to get get out of control and they won't be able to catch up. So that's something to think about. I guess we kind of got off track for. Yeah. The question, well, is that your expertise but,
0: with analytics? Um, I Aspects of
1: it? Aspects of it. Okay. I, I kind of I guess you could call me a jack of all trades. OK. Um, I, I've overseen analytics. I've overseen scouting. Um, done administration and contracts and that kind of stuff. I had great opportunity to kind of do everything with the Mets. Um, but I, I have a real good feel for the analy- – I ran analytics for, I guess, four or five years, and I have a pretty good idea – of what the technology is. I'm not I'm not a number cruncher, I'm not a programmer. Okay. But I, I guess you could say I understand baseball and baseball technology.
0: But that's the thing. I mean it goes beyond just being a number cruncher. Because oh, yeah. a lot of people hear analytics and that's what they think of, the Excel sheets and sure. you know manipulating the game in different ways. But as we've talked about, there's a lot of different yeah, projects I mean, it, that you could take it can on an, areas of the game to study and, and improve.
1: No doubt. It can just be investing in understanding and this is this is what I did for a while with the Mets. Um, I mean, I, I've done plenty of analysis um, over the years, but uh, a big thing was just understanding what types of people and what types of technology to invest in, you know, and how can we... Do so you
0: study someone's background and how they'd fit into a or group? Just, Is that just, what you well, mean? Just,
1: I mean, just sort of hiring smart people who have okay. an, who are analytically inclined, maybe not necessarily... Now when we uh, say people, are,
0: are you are talking about players or... Uh,
1: front office people, okay. intern program over the years. We, we, we've churned out, for example, David Stearns. Okay. Uh, came through our intern program, but uh, but understanding kind of who we two really smart guys. Uh, really, TJ Barra, who's who oversees analytics. He he's the one who deserves the credit for hiring those guys. I was very not uh, a very small level involved. Uh, Chris Pang and Joe Lefkowitz, really smart guys. But but for me, more uh, directing where to spend the dollars in terms of what technology to invest in. Um, that was. My I guess my biggest sort of uh, impact uh, with uh, with the Mets. We were one of the first teams to use TrackMan, which is now widespread throughout baseball. Uh, there are a number of analytics companies that we invested in uh, using their products and technology, and we were way ahead of the curve for a number of years. But that's not the case
0: anymore. And we're so. talking with Adam Fisher right now. You know, something interesting, I remember Sandy Alderson saying to season ticket holders this past spring uh, was about Eric Campbell, that... He had great exit velocity, and it was something that you guys bought into. But that is. Launch I never angle. bought into that. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> no, 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 well, no, no. maybe he did. No, but. no, no, no. I'm, I'm joking. I, I was, I was,
1: a, I was a uh, minority faction that was okay. ne- never a big. But, but that's yeah. interesting to
0: me. But he said, well, we didn't consider launch angle right. at the yes. time, so you'd hit yes. the ball hard, right. But it would be on the ground or a line drive that would be at somebody, and he it couldn't was lift it. kind of
1: implied. It. We, I mean, that that's why I didn't like him. I mean, he, you know, it, he, it was it it didn't go anywhere because it didn't have it didn't have the correct angle. Um, that's fascinating
0: to me. How all
1: right? So you're you're studying. I'm not trying to guy. say I'm a genius about it. I just it's yeah, just yeah. watching Eric Campbell. Yeah, you know. Well, sometimes the, fans he, sometimes him. the eyes tell you. Yeah, but he did. There's no question, and it was a debate that he hit the ball hard, and you know, yeah. The more you study this stuff, and that's what's kind of makes me chuckle. Like you know, there's nothing wrong with. Uh, exit velo is just another stat, just like hits and home runs, and it's just it's like just, miles per hour on a yeah, pitch. It's, it's, it's just, the same and thing. and you know, and and the same thing with with the with um the launch angle. I mean, it's just it's just how what what angle does the ball go off the bat? And we are getting smarter. There's no reason not to embrace getting smarter in how you're able to watch and analyze the game. Mm-hmm. I think the one side effect, which is unfortunate, is you'd argue the game's getting boring. Um, you know, there's not a lot of action. I think for one thing, I guess to, to really digress, digress here. What's really fascinating to me is watching kind of the push and pull between progress, uh, and the excitement of the game. Yeah. You know, it's like, I am all for competitive, competitive advantages and using technology and trying to move the game forward. But at the same time, no, you're you're in the front office. You're trying to win. You're trying to win. You want to manipulate the rules uh,
0: however you can to win. It doesn't matter if it's entertaining. That's not your job. Exactly. That's the commissioner's job. Right. That's someone above. Right. But at the end of the day,
1: you want a job in baseball. You you know that's it's not should not be on your mind because you're trying to get your team to win. Yeah. But at the same time. If baseball is just boring enough that people don't want to watch it, then you don't have a job. So it's like it's a very interesting uh, dynamic at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, right, we can mix in some more calls coming up 800 710 and talk a little bit more about this offseason. We, we know you think the Mets should be going in on Manny Machado here uh, and, and should prove that they're willing to do that. But what other areas can they look at? And we'll mix in some calls coming up as well. It's the Sports Zone with Pete they joined in studio by Adam Fisher of SNY on The Voice of New York, 710-WOR. We're back in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. On the first big decision for the Mets this offseason, clearly to figure out who is going to be the general manager, we talked about that a little bit, uh, and we we have Adam Fisher of S&Y in studio, formerly of the Mets front office, and yeah, you said, hey, th- they should be in on Manny Machado. Uh, make a run. This is the perfect guy, perfect age, that if you have to go 10 years, so be it. Let's say they fall short of Machado. They're not going to be the only team who should be going in after this guy. And even if they do try as hard as they can, it might not happen. So if you're going to build a plan, where the very least build areas where the Mets need to get a lot better this offseason, what are some other ways they can go about it, Adam? Well, you know, Pete, I think
1: uh, you and I are on the same page. You touched on it before I I came on. Um, You know, the, the the key areas I think are are bullpen, catcher. And center field, and uh, you know you can go about that a lot of different ways. I think the first area to attack, depending on what your budget is, if you do strike out on Manny Machado, uh, is is the bullpen. And you know uh, there there are plenty of interesting guys out there. Uh, it's always risky. It's always risky. And uh, you know I think I like to look at it like you you signed some, and it didn't clearly didn't work out for them this year with Anthony Swarzak. Mm-hmm. Um, so. You're you're taking a risk, but I think you want to try to find some certainty and then back it up with some young guys, some power young guys. And I think uh, it's a little disappointing that some of these guys didn't develop the way that they wanted to. Or me, having been involved in acquiring a bunch of them, Um, I didn't. You know, they didn't develop the way I wanted to see them develop either. But you do have a good stable of these young power arms. So if you can take a veteran or two, maybe three. Uh, and and pair them with what you have already Swarzak's not going away um, and some of these you get let some of the, one or two of these young guys earn a spot and then have two three four five behind them um and a good a good amount of depth for me that's that's your best strategy and that's kind of what they tried to do this year and it didn't work so well, that's um, what,
0: that was the whole point of what you guys did at the trade deadline a couple of years oh, yeah. ago. Just yeah. get a bunch of guys, hope somebody that was, sticks. That was
1: completely our strategy. Uh, you know, we, we realized that we weren't going to get the, that the market had shifted and, and, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a seller's market anymore and that we weren't going to get top prospects. So let's get some power. We were lacking it in the mm-hmm. system. Um, and we did that. And, uh, you know, I was a little disappointed with some of the guys. I think Drew Smith came along pretty well. Yeah. Um, but, I started you
0: know, singing his praises and then and he then, gave yeah, up, he, uh, like three homers yeah, in the last and then couple. He, of weeks. Then it wasn't great. And, you
1: know, his strikeout rate wasn't, um, and another guy, ba- uh, you know, Tyler Bachelor, who I-, I always liked in the system. You know, I- I'd like to see more swings and misses. Strikeout yeah. rate wasn't great. Jacob rain big disappointment for yeah. me. Um, but I think st- I think it's more a strategy with him and 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 pitching to his strengths.
0: But... He-, he had a tough go of it too. He's back and forth to Vegas. How yeah. many times this year? Yeah. That can't be a-, a great situation to be put in as a young pitcher. So obviously, so so, so bullpen clearly yeah.
1: catcher uh, Grandal Ramos. Uh, Ramos, big injury history, but you know, you've got Pluecki, who's a capable major league catcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be an interesting decision what they decide to do with Darno. Um, you can't bring him back, right? I think it's really tough to bring him back. I still think there's something left in Travis Darnot. There's, there's I get that, you know, but but I, I do think that he just seems like so a non tender candidate. I think so. I mean, he's not going to be making a lot, but um, you might you might tender him and and have depth. See if you can trade him. I, there may be a market for him. He should be ready right around April. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, I like the catching. There's only so many spots where they're not kind of locked in.
0: Yeah, you know? well, that's one of the right. the things, and I've heard. I think both Jeff Wolbon and Mickey Callaway talk about adding a right-handed corner outfield bat this offseason. I like the idea of a center fielder and having Nimmo and Conforto in the corners. What do you think they could do in the outfield? Because that's one of the easier areas for them to get that big bat that they're going to need to essentially... Replace Cespedes for next year if you assume anything yeah. you get out of him is a bonus. I I agree with you. I think I think if you're going to go right-handed bat,
1: you're going like a Steve Pierce type. You know, I don't think they they can't just can't crowd that outfield. They've got the two corner guys. They still have Jay Bruce. So um, and I don't I don't expect Ses back next year, but he's still around and he's still going to have a year. You don't left. think he'll play at all? I think it seems like the All Star break is is the earliest, mm-hmm. and I just think the way things have gone with these types of injuries, these long term type injuries, I just wouldn't be optimistic. I maybe he'll be back by June. I'm just not counting on it. Yeah. You know, I I think we have you have to take the pessimistic view, especially considering the history with Met's injuries, which you know, fans want to. I think there's a lot of snake bitten stuff there. I don't expect that to, to not continue. I mean, maybe the sun will start shining again. There's a lot of bad luck. Well, John so. Rico
0: said it got better over the last two months mm-hmm. and that they expect slow progress on yeah, that kind know, of thing. you
1: know, they got a new, they have more, hmm. more information, a better process. I think it's going to improve, but there is a level of just being snake bitten. I mean, talking about a guy that I would consider just giving center field to, Juan Lagares, kind of backs the guy dives for a ball and breaks breaks his thumb or his wrist or whatever it was Well, like, his
0: big toe this year well, this year is he's had a ton worse. of ligament issues. he kicks
1: he kicks the wall and breaks his toe I mean that stuff's brutal I think, but he's kind of on some level what you're looking for in the sense that a stud defender who's a right handed bat
0: just can't depend um, on him
1: you just can't depend on him so my strategy would be maybe take one of those relievers or two they they're gonna they have probably have too many of them at this point on their roster and try and get a young center fielder who can play defense so you can stash in triple a uh another strategy pete i think is that that they haven't done a great job the last couple of years is to really load up that roster from number 26 to 50 mm-hmm. uh with better minor league free agents a bigger investment and actually i can i can say having talked to omar Manaya about it um that's something that he would like to do um you know if he's involved with this, with the, how however it works with this, when the new GM comes in, that was a big that, problem
0: this year. It was barren the, at Triple yeah, It was
1: it was pretty barren. And sometimes it's just an ebb and flow.
0: Well, they said there were know? a lot of injuries at Triple A, yes. just like they well, were dealing with them at the major Bryce, league level. Bryce but Brent,
1: I mean, Gavin Shacchini lost out on a major opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Bryce Brents was a nice pickup right right uh, after spring training, and he never got healthy. Um, so they did try; they made an effort. I think you know you just have to get layers. It can be a real challenge, a push and pull between, okay, how much playing time do you have for everybody, even at AAA, but you really want to have layers and layers of depth. And that's what a team like the Dodgers has shown. I mean, look how, look how deep they are. You know, um, I think that that's a model and to be more aggressive on the waiver wire, uh, you look at these, some of these teams and what their bullpens look like. They, they find guys off the waiver wire and the Mets have, uh, we, we did, we did find, find some gems. I think, uh, Zamora, the trade, uh, for Josh Smoker is a nice one, mm-hmm. but you just always want to keep being aggressive and try and find more and more.
0: No, yeah, you look at Max Muncy in L. A. And yeah, you can hit the Mets. Did it not that long ago with R. A. Dickey, just a minor league invite to spring yeah, training, I mean, and uh, you hope somebody hits. You know,
1: Marlon, going back a little closer. I mean, a, a veteran who found found the fountain of youth, Marlon Bird. We mm-hmm. were able to to turn him, uh, you know, into Dilson Herrera and Vic Black. Vic, well, obviously, but uh, but Dilson, we turned into Jay Bruce. So. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it, it stuff works, and those are things you got to keep on grinding through. As we uh, chat with Adam Fisher, uh, real fast postseason, I I just think it's the best bullpen wins. I think it's real simple when you get to this time of the year. Is there a team that you love that you think no. is uh, set up for success here? No. Is this
1: all just one big crapshoot? I think it's it's a one big mess. That's not fun. I know it's not fun. I'm sorry <laughs> that I, I wish I could. I just say I like. I mean, and that, that's not really a bullpen that you can count on. I I still. I still really like the Astros, but they're that's not a pen you can count on. So when they start mixing um, in
0: those starting pitchers, yeah, they could but be they've, they've got those.
1: outstanding starting pitching. They have they still are the most talented team, I think. So I think you know watch out for them. Um, I really at one point like the Yankees, but not. It's hard to. It's hard to. They got to get through this game. Um, I'm not. For a 118 uh, win team, the Red Sox, their pen is. I don't like Boston at all. I don't like them at all. So that's tough. It's like, okay, so who do you like? I know who I don't like, and I don't like pretty much every playoff. Every playoff team seems. The National League. I mean. I like the Brewers with Josh Hader.
0: They could just ride it. That would be really
1: interesting. They just happen to have the worst starting pitching. So it's like, geez. (laughs) You know, pick your poison. Cleveland is most Um, balanced,
0: I suppose. Cleveland's the
1: most balanced, but they also they. They're so maybe they, they cruise the entire year, you know. They're actually coming out of. I believe Jason Stark wrote an article about it, and I don't know if it's still true, but that's the worst division ever. That team, the other teams wow. in that division are, I think, a combined 155 games below 500.
0: So it's a step up so, in class here, just a just a touch. So they're gonna
1: have to they're gonna get their feet to the fire for the first time.
0: Who do you like tonight?
1: I like the Yankees. I think like the Yankees, sorry. Uh, I just think they're the better team. But I, but I do, I do, uh, they both, both teams have outstanding bullpens. And, you know, the Yankees are rolling the dice with Severino. So that's going to be, I think it's going to be a fascinating game.
0: You like the A's strategy here? As, yes, I do. Are you a buyer into the bullpen? I'm a name? buyer
1: into it, especially in a game like this where it makes it harder to game plan. And the A's don't have a good, really good option. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's kind of a no-brainer. Um, but, I,
0: you know, I it's flip a coin, but I'm going to take the Yankees. Right. So, Yeah. Well, I hope you're wrong. <laughs> Adam Fisher, uh SMY, uh formerly the Mets front office and uh, a lot of expertise you're able to lend here tonight Adam and I uh, really appreciate you coming in. It's awesome. Thank you, Pete. Thank you for having me and you know, I wish you the best. I hope we get
1: a chance to do this again. I know that uh I know that there are a lot of Mets fans out there that uh that want to want to hear you keep doing this with the Mets and and I uh I wish you the best wherever you land. I oh, appreciate that, Adam.
0: All right. Well, we'll take some Mets calls following up. 800 321 710 It's the Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710-W-O-R.